Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. So we're starting a brand new series today. Um, it's called A Great Awakening. Anytime I'm going to teach a new series, um, it, it's, so, it's a little difficult to get out. It's almost like you know, I'm just kind of... I don't know anything about birth, but it's kind of like you're birthing something brand new. So, um, but but I, I'm, I'm so excited about this message series because this message series is literally a roadmap to personal renewal, revival, and freedom. A roadmap. Uh, because what I've observed are many, and maybe you have two, who are just simply enduring life instead of enjoying it. And God does not want you and I living under the oppressive weight of this world. He does not desire chaos and conflict. He wants peace and comfort. Jesus came to set us free, to renew us and revive us so that we can truly enjoy God and each other and this abundant life that Jesus died for. A while back, I had a dream. And I saw the, the hands of God. I saw two big hands and all of a sudden, God shifted everything quickly, just a really quick shift, causing a quick jolt. Now, what I found out is he was shaking everything in order to shake off the enemy. I saw fear, worry, anxiety fall off quickly. I saw the past regrets and mistakes disappear. I saw the feelings of shame and condemnation break off suddenly. Isn't that good? God was shaking things off and at the same time waking us up, his church, so that we would walk in our purpose and freedom. I don't know if you had that same dream, but if you did, great. And then I thought of this verse in Haggai 2, 6, and 7, also referenced in Hebrews. But I'm going to go to this one. It says, for this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says, in just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all these nations will be brought to this temple and I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, this is a beautiful picture of revival because those treasures are people. Yesterday, we got to celebrate Anna Lynn graduating from Grand Valley. Amen. Yeah, I just, I just say that. Awesome. Did such a great job. So proud of her. But, but the, the guy that spoke, the, the student that spoke, man, it, it, was, it was a really great speech. But his whole thing was he just wanted to tell you guys, you're diamonds, man. You guys are diamonds. You are treasures. You are treasures. And he kept saying that. I thought, wow, isn't this the message that we need to hear? That, that we're, we hear so many other messages today that confuse us and try to distract us from what God is saying. But God is saying, you are my diamonds. You are my treasures. And that's what Haggai is talking about. He's saying, those who were lost, broken, addicted, abused by an enemy, now free to truly live with God and be loved by God. Those who were once asleep, shaken, but now awakened to personal revival. And I've noticed that's what the Holy Spirit leads us into, these wake-up calls, right? Because we humans have a tendency to rest on our laurels. We tend to settle, get stuck in old ways, rely on our, on, on our own self. We become self-sufficient. 
And we also tend to look for safe and predictable. I'm just speaking of myself. So the Holy Spirit is on a mission to lead us into moments that shift our lives and produce results totally different than what we normally experience. So you, you know you've just experienced a great awakening when suddenly your desires change, your motives change, your thoughts change, your will changes. These are wake-up calls. They mess with our normal. They invade our schedule, and they irritate our comfortable. God brings these divine interruptions. And by the way, this is good. Oh, no, no chuckling today. I know that's, that's not a laughing story, but, but this is going to be good today. Listen, recently, we, hundreds of people hopped on planes, drove for hours just to experience a revival at Asbury College. I didn't go, and maybe you weren't able to visit, but the good news is this. Listen, a great awakening isn't limited to people in a specific geographic location for a limited period of time. It can begin in your life today. So can we start with a simple verse and make it our prayer? I want to I say this together. It's in Psalm 85, verse 6. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? A great awakening. We all need it, but no person, no military power, no economic upturn, no charismatic leader can bring it. Only God, only God. And God says this in Isaiah 41, 20. He says, I'm doing this so all who see this miracle will understand what it means that it is the Lord who has done this, the Holy One of Israel who created it. See, whenever you're talking about great awakening, God is the main ingredient to every miracle and every personal revival, every great awakening. I love what Stephen Alford says. Revival is ultimately Christ himself, seen, felt, heard, living, active, moving in and through his body on earth. True revival is not man-centered, but Christ-centered. It is not about a type of music or special experience, but a fresh revelation of Christ in the midst of his people, people often grown sleepy or slow moving and desperately in need of a fresh awakening touch from their Savior. Love that. And by the way, when it happens, you'll know it. You can't hype it, but when it comes, you can't hide it either. It changes everything. Revival brings reversal, a reversal of sickness and disease, or a reversal of a devastated economy, a reversal of hopelessness. It brings an end to the things that were out of order and brings them back into order. Revival gives back what the enemy has stolen and not only gets it back, but makes it better. And it brings us back to the heart of God and most importantly, delivers us into the loving hands of our heavenly Father who wouldn't want that, who would refuse that. So in this series, I want us to discover what a personal revival, a great awakening looks like, what it sounds like, what it takes to get it, and then witnessing and experiencing firsthand the results that come from it. And maybe you're here and you felt spiritually flat lately. Maybe the fire that once burned for God is now just flickering. Listen, and God is calling out to you and I, saying, wake up, oh my soul, and let God come alive. Yeah. 
Wake up, oh my soul, and let God come alive. So let me show you this well-known verse that we, will be our roadmap to revival. 2 Chronicles 7.14, you've heard it before. But I can't wait to just want to unpack this thing. And, and what's going to happen is, what I've noticed in this message series, is that there's, there's going to be these sudden jolts, these sudden shakes that are going to be great for us, that are going to, they're going to shake us and move us into personal revival. So this one verse, here it is. Uh, then if my, let's just read it together and count of three. One, two, three. Here we go. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore and heal their land. I love that word heal. It's in a different version. This one verse gives us a clear, simple pathway to personal revival. But before we dive into it, let me give some context. Context. Context is important. If you only speak of a text out of context, you're left with a con. So you want to always read around that and find out what's going on here. So here's what happens. King Solomon just finished building the most beautiful church on earth for God. It's glorious. Matter of fact, people traveled from all the way around the world just to see it. He then stands in front of the people to dedicate this new church. He prays, and then this happens. 2 Chronicles 7, 1 through 6. When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good, His faithful love endures forever. I see God as the main ingredient of that revival, just to start off, just to let you know. Now, here's where it starts getting really good, too, as well. Verse 4. Then the king, Solomon, and all the people offered sacrifices to the Lord. Verse 5. King Solomon offered a sacrifice. Check this out. 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goat. I don't know what the market value of that is today. For those of you who work with with meat, you're like, what's going on? What is the price that Solomon is willing just to offer this moment. And so the king and all the people dedicated the temple of God. Verse 6, the priests took their assigned positions. Look at what revival does. Assigned positions. And so did the Levites who were singing, his faithful love endures forever. All of a sudden, they're, they're, they're getting into their purpose and positions. They accompanied the singing with music from the instruments King David had, had made for praising the Lord. Across from the Levites, the priests blew the trumpets. While all Israel stood, I mean, this moment made the entire nation of Israel just, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And we need that, you guys. So what an overwhelming, powerful moment, listen, that led to authentic change, sacrifice, and devotion. Can you imagine it for a moment? 
A mighty move of God everywhere in our homes, in our relationships, our families, in our communities, in our country. A spark that turns to flame and spreads the fire of God's love in the lives of all people. Getting our priorities straight, stepping into our purpose, putting things back in order. A true heart change that moves into our homes and families. It's not fantasy. It, God wants it to be reality. So I just say, oh, Lord, revive us so that we can rejoice in you. So, okay, now, as we're looking at the context of this, this verse we talked about in the beginning, this was an incredible moment. This is how the chapter begins. And then this happens. Verse 11. So Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then one night, the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. Now, here we go. At times I might shut up the heavens that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. Here we go. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. Okay, things just kind of switch for a moment. Soon after this life-changing moment, God comes and wakes Solomon up from his sleep, shakes him a little bit. He went from revival moment to reality check. Because what I know is you and I will have days where we need a reality check. We're reminded of our humanity, our fallen nature, our weakness. This is okay because it's a moment that we realize that we desperately need God. So God was saying in context, he was saying, hey, Solomon, this is good. Being together, feeling the love and joy and peace in my presence. This is really good. Revival is here, Solomon. And Solomon, you can have this throughout your life, God would say. But I understand life. I understand this fallen world and human nature. People love me one day and they don't the next. They say, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth but can't make it to the driveway. They tend to get distracted with shiny things or they hide from scary stuff or fall into shame and regret. It's gonna happen. Doesn't always have to. I don't recommend it, God would say. It's harmful. But, but listen, but know this, my kids. You can always come back home. And here is the pathway. You know, these messages are not just for us. They're actually for the world, right? Like, like, it's great that we get to feel God's presence and his love in this place. You get to hear just an incredible message from a handsome guy. No, <laughs> listen, but, but here's the thing. What we don't realize is that, yes, great feeling the presence of God, but God says, listen, I need this to go outside these four walls. I, I need the message. I, I don't know what you hear today. Whatever you hear today, Whatever you hear in this message, you may hear one thing. I encourage you to take that one thing to someone else today. That's how revival starts. But you always, see, you can go to someone who's kind of messed up in, in their life, and, they, and you can say, do you know you can always come back home to God? And here is the verse. 
Here we go, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. You hear this a few more times today. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and restore and heal their land. This is that promise for God to all, say all, those who've lost their way, made a mess of their lives, fallen into the traps of the enemy in this world, that God will rescue you will revive you, he will restore you, he will heal you, and he will do it for anyone who wants it. Now, give me just a moment to explain verse 13. I feel like I have to for a moment in the context. Because this verse precedes our verse. It must be important, right? Any verse that precedes another verse, like, okay, I gotta check this out. Second Chronicles seven thirteen. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Why would you do this, God? Shut up the heavens. That doesn't sound like my heavenly father. Listen, and it's true. God does not create destruction or evil, and it is not his intention to bring it. You want to know how it happens? Just my own personal life, decisions, pride, life, a fallen world. The enemy brings calamity, not God. God is good. Every good and perfect gift comes from the father. We read, we read that last week. Remember, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. But God knows this. We can wander. We can get off track. We can give a foothold to the enemy. It happens. But if or when that happens, we have the answer in verse 14. A pathway to healing restoration. Do you see yourself in people's lives who have struggled? They're living in shame and regret and, and all of a sudden, they don't know what to do. And you just kind of, hey, let me show you a pathway. Let me just open up this verse to you. And you just begin to show them that God has a way out for them. Just imagine yourself doing that. It's called evangelism. And we can say to them, say, God is good and quick to forgive you and turn things around if and when you respond. So the end of this chapter explains why the rain stopped why the fields dried up and why the locusts ate everything up. Second Chronicles 7.22, it says, it says, and the answer shall be because the people abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors who brought them out of Egypt and they worshiped other gods instead and bowed down to them. Bowed down to them. That's the reason, you guys. That's what, that, that's what God is saying. It's okay, listen, listen. Been there, done that. Come on. Been there, done that. We'll talk about that in the series. Been there, done that. But a great awakening requires an honest, heartfelt moment of truth. It requires the removing of any blame towards God and people and taking a genuine look inside our own hearts, our own lives, and not to feel condemned, but to allow a godly conviction to change us. And like, like I, I tell myself, hey, is this situation the result of a fallen world, a spiritual enemy, or my bad decision, God? And look, look at this. Truthfully, ultimately, it doesn't matter. How you got into it, what matters is will you let God get you out of it? It does not matter how you got into it. What matters is will you let God get you out of it? Evil is not from God but God can turn it for our good every single time. Here's the, here's the proof, 1 John 1, 5. 
This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. So long story short, they were dragged away by their own desires. Hey, welcome to the club. But God is about to turn it around quickly with a great awakening, a personal revival. And if you look throughout Bible history, you'll see this common denominator. People turning to God and then people turning away from God. So as we wind this message down, let me show you what happened in the 1700s in this event called The Great Awakening. Here's this eyewitness account. You'll have it up here in the screen. It says many of the early colonists in America had come here to this new world to enjoy religious freedom. But as the land became tamed and prosperous, they no longer relied on God for their daily bread. Self-sufficiency brought complacency toward God. As a result, churches were less attended. So, wishing to make it easier to increase church attendance, the religious leaders had instituted the halfway covenant, which basically disregarded the fundamental truths of Christianity. A removal of the word, truth, prayer, repentance, and authentic conversion. Church had become a social club and a political platform. Most churches were now attended largely by people who lacked a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And sadly, many of the ministers themselves did not know Jesus and therefore could not lead their flocks to the true shepherd. Woo! Then suddenly, thank God, the Spirit of God awoke as though from an intense slumber and began to touch the population of the colonies. People from all walks of life, from poor farmers to rich merchants, began experiencing renewal and rebirth. Woo! And one man at the forefront of the survival's name was Jonathan Edwards. The cool thing about this guy was he spoke with a monotone voice. But as he spoke, he kept his eyes focused on the back wall of the church. And eventually his words began to sink into the hearts of the people. And although he was speaking with lacked enthusiasm, his words were powerful and revival followed. Homes, communities, cities were radically changed for Jesus. And Edwards emphasized this, that true religion must affect the hearts. True religion must affect the heart. This is the way I'll say it. People were talking about God, but they were not talking with God. People were talking about God, but not with him. We're, we're his children. You know, I don't like it when I go too long not talking to my kids. I don't like it. Like, I, I, I want to hear how they're doing, you know. Sometimes they may not hear from me. I mean, when, we first, when they first went to college, guess who showed up quite a bit? <laughs> hey, just happened to be in town. You know, right? And, but I don't like it when, my, when I don't get to talk to my kids. And God does not like it when he can't talk to his kids, right? He just wants to talk with his children. I believe with all my heart in the day we're living in is the stirring of a great awakening. 
And here is the truth about revival. If you want to see transformation outside these walls, then there has to be transformation inside these walls. First, revival begins with me, with you in this little tiny church. And this is where God's kids come in. This is the part we play in revival. Here's our verse again. Let's just say it out loud. Count of three, one, two, three. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore and heal their land. So we're just all gonna take a personal journey to our own personal great awakening. And it starts with this little word, if. Say if. A condition that needs to be met for a great awakening. This little word is the catalyst to revival. Many times God's promises, commands start with it. If, uh, Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain be removed. He says, you're my friends if you do what I say. He said, if you remain in me, you'll produce much fruit. He says, if anyone wants to become my follower, then he must deny himself, take up the cross, follow me. And the list of ifs go on and on. This little word is more impactful than we know. And what I found out is we cannot experience a great awakening if we ignore the if. If my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. And what I've noticed is I think it's our but that keeps us from our if. But I can't, but I'm not ready, but they did this to me, but I'm not capable, but I don't have the resources, but my family, but my money. And sometimes it's our big but. It becomes our big excuse that keeps us from experiencing our big revival. So this little word, if, reveals this. Either I want it or I don't. Either I'm going to go for revival or I won't. And as Leonard, Leonard Ravenhill said, I love this, he says, as long as we are content to live without revival, we will. <laughs> what would happen if we decided to not only read through 2 Chronicles 7.14, but begin to live it out and live out every word that follows? If my people, if my people, if my people, if my people. By the way, this is a message to the church, not the world. He's not talking about the world. I'm telling you, we got so many fingers pointing at the world, we're missing the finger that needs to point right here in the heart. You know, I'm telling you, we live in a world where we're like, like, we're missing it, you guys. We are missing it. This scripture is for us. God's kids, God's church. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. What if we do not refuse the if? If we do, revival will, listen, if we don't, revival will follow. If, if we just can grab a hold of if and start moving past it. So let's move past this for, as, we, as we're, we're winding this down. Say, God, no more buts. I'm moving past my if. 
I love what A.W. Tozer said. He said the very first step in personal revival is to get thoroughly dissatisfied with yourself. If we want revival in our lives, we can't keep doing the same thing we've been doing, going through the motions of our faith, expecting God to do something different. So if, I got, one, I got two words to say. Oh, there's a lot of words being said today, but two words I want to leave with you today. If you want to experience a personal great awakening, you'll need to simply get fed up. Say fed up. When God met Solomon <laughs> that night, he was really saying, Solomon, man, we had a great time in church service, didn't we, today? <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> but I want to show you something. There's going to come a time when you're going to make some decisions that won't be good for you. It's going to frustrate you, but it's going to make you fed up. And when it makes you fed up, you're going to remember what I'm going to tell you if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Fed up is a good thing. As a matter of fact, it's the clue that revival is about to occur. People getting fed up. Fed up with feeling anxious. Fed up with fear. Fed up with the oppression of the enemy. Fed up with the devil messing with family. All revivals begin here. They are birthed out of some sort of fed up. They come out of a holy desperation. I think of a the story of the, of the, of the uh, a Ukrainian pastor who had a church of 150 at the start of this atrocious thing happening in, in the Ukraine, this war, 150. They were bombed every single day for a year. Every single day they were bombed, that area was bombed. This church has 1,500 people today. I'm not saying, listen, do you see what God did? Do you see what God's doing? God didn't send it, but he used it to cause revival. They're clinging together. They're growing. Listen, many of these difficult situations are caused by, listen, we read it. It's caused by people forgetting God, not needing God. People relying on self-sufficiency, determined to fill themselves with food that will never satisfy. Been there, done that. And what I found out that, that self-sufficiency will always produce a God deficiency. This is good because this leads us to this place called I'm fed up. I'm fed up. I'm fed up of, of trying to find you in another source. But I know that fed up, what I found out, can lead to fired up. Let me just wind this down. You've heard this story before. Jesus met a woman by a well who's trying to get her love and satisfaction from all her relationships. She was at the end of her rope. She was lost and lonely and sick and tired, fed up. And Jesus said this to, to her in John 4, 13 through 14. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty. You drink the worldly water, it becomes thirsty. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And she's hearing this. She's like, where do I get this water? He's like, hello, I'm right here. So guess what? She believed, she drank his water, his spiritual water from the Holy Spirit. She drank in his love. I love this moment. Here, this is why I say in this message today, you hear one thing, great. Because all it took was one truth that God got into her heart with. Yes, the thing, the thing that caused her, the, 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 the fact that she was 
She was kind of worshiping men maybe or I don't know what she was going through. But the fact that she was so locked into something else other than God, God says, listen, honey, you don't need that. That's not giving you, that's not giving you what I can give you, sweetie. That's how he said it, sweetie, I love you. Just, just take this, this free water, this free love. And so all he gets in there with his love and truth, by the way, love and truth. She's set free. She believed it. She received it. She went from fed up to fired up. Look at this, John 4, 28 through 30. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. <laughs> Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Wow. This was her great awakening. But it came because she was sick and tired. She was lonely. She was, she was heading to that well during a time where nobody was there because she was so full of shame that she wanted anybody to see her. She was hiding. She got fed up. She was fed up. Fed up. And that's what happened when God met Solomon. He said, listen, just to let you know, I'm looking to the future, Solomon. When the rain stopped, the fields dried up, the grasshoppers arrived, he said, you will say, enough is enough. Enough is enough. And when you say enough is enough, when you say, I am so fed up, well, what happens is the beginning of a great awakening. Happened in the 1700s, right? Happen, ha happens throughout. You can see these revivals pop up throughout history. So it ultimately doesn't matter, listen, how you got into it. What matters is, will you let God get you out of it? This is how revival begins. Hey, if you're fed up, dissatisfied, disappointed, lost and lonely and hurting, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, God is about to turn it all around for you quickly. If, let's read it, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and restore their land. <clears throat> So we're just going to end with a simple prayer. I did pretty good today. <clears throat> simple prayer, you guys. I want you to put your hand over your heart. Just close your, uh, bow your head closer if you want to. Put your hand over your heart for a moment. Um, I know you're going to, I just, I'm going to have you repeat this, but I'm going to take it slow. I'm going to take it slow because I want you to believe these words. It's like I'm believing these words today. Hmm. Say, Lord Jesus. Won't you revive me again so that I can have joy again? So that I can be free again? So that I can truly honor you again? So that I can truly praise you again? Lord, I'm sorry for putting my hopes in things that won't last. I'm sorry for trying to find love from the wrong source. I'm sorry for rushing and running to things 
that keep me away from you. Lord, forgive me. I'm ready for revival in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. All right, you got through it. Message one. Hey, don't miss the rest of these messages. Every message is designed to kind of get us to that next, next step and phase towards revival. So, hey, we love you guys. Have a great, great day. Um, enjoy your families. Enjoy God. If you need prayer for anything, our prayer team is here. God bless you guys. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.